0: You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy Part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network With Van Burnett
1: and Steve Giswelli Welcome back everybody, it is Wins Above Fantasy episode 123 Today is Thursday, November 30th We are fresh off of Thanksgiving, Steve Which means we're about four months away from opening day A lot of uh, off-season in between now and then uh, we are doing a fun show talking about the draft overview, kind of the kickoff show for mock draft prep all off season long. Uh, obviously, coming off of the pitcher list early mock drafts that we both had with Nick Pollock, uh, it's a great show, Steve. It's a loose one where we're going to be jumping in and out of some of our picks, some of other other managers' picks that we liked, and some first impressions on trends and draft values so uh wide open offseason how's it going man
0: good good um yeah this feels like it's the official kickoff of our prep for 2024 which is exciting i know we did some sort of second half analysis i know we had the the bonus show in our feed which is a nice little uh plug for you with nick to talk this draft so um, I know we, we get into details with our specific teams on those shows and those are still running on the, on the corner feed, um, for all, um, 11 teams, I guess, you know, Nick, I don't think interviews himself and reviews his team. No. Um, but those are all great shows, but they get into more specifics on the, on the team. This, we can kind of look at it with a, a lens to, for, for draft prep for 2022 and, you know before you know it um once we get through the holidays that's that's sort of the official kickoff of of draft season and prep season like i know the on the wire leagues will start i i did a draft uh as, as soon as the first two weeks of january last year so there really isn't uh enough time um or, or it's never too soon to start prep uh, right. in the off season so Uh, Yeah, got some hot stove stuff that I think uh, is close to both of our homes that we get on, which is nice. The winter meetings are starting Sunday, um, which, you know, that that does seem to be um, a place where a lot of news happens and a lot of signings happen. And I'm all for those happening as soon as possible because then that gives us the most current information, right? Like, especially what was it two off seasons ago when there was the lockout and – Oh. A- and we basically were just drafting players with without homes and without information. It's important, and especially with, I think these two pitchers that we'll talk about briefly for for the signings. It's the, where they sign is fantasy relevant, and and it it helps to know where these guys are going to go, and it bumps guys up or down. Uh, so that's always interesting and excited to get into it.
1: For sure, yeah. The the bird's eye view compared to just our team is a lot of fun because it's mm-hmm. it's the first chance we can talk about. Whatever players we want to really. So I, I love that part of it. Uh listener note, Steve, I think you did say twenty twenty two draft, I? which is
0: well it's I that's, I said twenty twenty four.
1: That's in the rear view at this yeah. point, but the uh the, the hot stove you mentioned, Steve, we got we got Cardinals, we got Mets here with Sonny Gray signing to a seventy seventy five mil three year deal and it is very uh backloaded. I think they're only paying $10 million up front, which is, has some people rumbling that there might be a, a package trade coming up. So, you know, whether that's a Tyler Glass now would be great to dream on. Uh, some other, other names are being thrown out. Uh, but overall, Sonny Gray, you know, I don't know if he's like a, a lock number one starter, but he's definitely the type of pitcher we've been waiting for. Uh, in the in the Cardinals Nation camp for quite a while. And I know he, he had talked with Wainwright and basically heard glowing reviews about you know the Cardinals organization and everything, and it was top of Sonny Gray's priority list, apparently. I don't know why he would say anything else, but apparently got coming into the offseason are free agency, So uh, very excited on that one, Steve. And then you got Luis Severino out there in Mets land, Signed to a one-year, thirteen mil deal, and uh, yeah, Nick was saying it was a matter of time when when I was on the podcast with Mister Nick Pollock that one of these days we'd see Luis Severino signing with the Dodgers because they're so light on pitching. But no, it's the Mets; he's staying out that way. Uh, talk to me about either one of these for fantasy implications, if if any.
0: I think they're both great fits, right? I mean, they're they're both. Uh... Pitcher friendly ballparks. Uh, yep, Bush uh, Bush Stadium is probably one of, if not the most pitcher friendly park in the bigs. Maybe up there with like Seattle, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and and City Field is a great place to pitch. It's always um, been at worst like neutral for pitchers, if not leaning well towards pitchers. And with a place differently year to year, but um, to go from Yankee Stadium in the case of Severino to city field is a major upgrade. Um, it's always been a question of health with Severino. Um, I mean, he was fantasy relevant and, and a very useful player. What as recently as a year a year ago now, right? He was, he was had, you know, 102 innings of a 10 K per nine with, uh, you know, a three, one, eight ERA um mm-hmm. in 2022 and looked really good and it was you know coming back from from Tommy John surgery um uh, people were really excited about him heading into 2023 after you know coming back and and debuting as as and redebuting as positively as you can coming back from a major injury like that yeah. um and basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong I think it's great that he's in an environment that he's comfortable in. You know, still living in New York, still being in New York, um, and just going to a team now that is focusing on pitching development with David Stearns there. They did he did a great job in Milwaukee. Um, you know, their their rotation was. Uh, you know, I, I know they had Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, but they did get the most out mm-hmm. of. Guys in the back end of the rotation, so it's it's a good spot. Uh, I know the default is sort of LL Mets. Of course, the Mets are going to get the worst out of out of anything, and it's I don't really think it's fair to look at that in this new regime, um, despite how poorly last year went for them. So I, I I like it. I think Severino is a great late round flyer, and I think he's going to maybe be a little more than that. Um, probably not, just because last year was so so bad. Uh, He's basically at pick 488 this year uh, so far. Uh, I'm imagining that's going to go up. He's basically undrafted in like 12 or even 15 team leagues. But um, yeah, there's been like 42 drafts, and these are all really, really deep drafts, like drafts and hold. And he's only been drafted. He didn't go drafted in three of those, right? Um, That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, Actually, there's been a lot more drafts than that. I'm seeing some guys selected 61 times so you know it basically in half the drafts severino hasn't got i imagine that's not going to be the case now that he has a home um, right and especially it's a favorable one so i i like it as an upside play especially if he's going to be sort of the last pick in in a deeper draft um and as far as sonny gray i think maybe you know if this is a good kick to you but I think it's a great fit, and it's kind of exactly what the Cardinals needed. And it's even more interesting that the fact that they sort of backloaded the money to, to keep some money off the books for this year to to do some something more. I sure that's music to your ears.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. I I mean, it, it, still like he's he's just thirty four years old, which I know is is up there, but he has just shown us basically. You, if you remove twenty twenty one, which I know is an entire season, you're talking about uh four years, so two years on either side of that one somewhat down year, uh, which happened to be the year I rostered him by the way, he's he's looked really, really good. And last year, yeah, I mean the the results he saw in Minnesota, both years in Minnesota, only thing is I know we were raving about the the job that Minnesota's done with pitchers in general. Really hoping that nothing regresses with the Cardinals, but everything like under the hood is, is impressive. I know um, Eno had some some tweets out there that was just talking about uh, basically the repertoire from, from Sonny Gray and all the upside, not only on – I think it was uh, from a result standpoint, his sweeper was the number one pitch uh, or the number one sweeper in the league, but even from stuff plus, it graded out really high. And that's a pitch that he threw second most behind his fastball. Um, Great swing and miss stuff. So the fact that he basically doubled the usage of that pitch last year and it's so good, like it's just so encouraging to see a pitcher at the age of 34 evolving into that kind of like new aging dominance. You know, it, it reminds me of when Kershaw was kind of reinventing himself as a pitcher and everything. So yeah, I'm definitely uh, rose-colored glasses over here that Sonny Gray is going to basically be flirting in that uh, SP2, SP1 territory. Uh, the, again, the question is for the Cardinals, given this window with, with Goldie, Arenado Contreras, and now Sonny Gray, which it fits that mold perfectly, is there still work to be done? I've seen like Brendan Donovan's name, Dylan Carlson's name, um, you know, even some of the other pieces like the Seem like fixtures in the past, like Tommy Edmond. Like the the writing is definitely on the wall that there is still a, a trade happening for the pitchers uh, for for the Cardinals, which is exciting. But yeah, fantasy wise, it's a great landing spot as long as the Cardinals don't screw it up.
0: Even results wise in twenty twenty one, I know that was bad, but the the underlying numbers were were good. It was a three four nineteen ERA, but a three twenty four x ERA, three ninety nine FIP. 366 X XFIP, like the strikeout right. and walks rate were in line. So, sure, he call. had some some bad results and bad luck, but that could happen in, in Cincinnati especially, right? Um, his homer to fly ball rate was the highest since 2016 um, mm-hmm. for him. So, there was a, a pretty big outlier. There was, you know, um, a, a pretty low homer to fly ball rate and at 5.2%. That is by far the lowest of his career. So, maybe there will be some regression. Um, but I don't think that you, you're banking on him having a 2.79 ERA if he's no, and Bush Stadium still. Sunny Gray good, from 2019. Good, good at, yeah, it it definitely is. But you know, if he has, uh, you know, uh, or even the 2020 and in, in, in 56 innings when he had a 3.70 ERA, I think think you sort of you take that with, uh, you know, his 25 percent strikeout rate and 7 percent walk rate that he's been hovering around in the last two years. So yeah, I I agree. I, I like. It. I think. Th- I think the biggest question, Steve, and then we should probably get to the real yeah. a- agenda as well. But
1: what do we think on volume for for Sonny Gray? Because we just saw him make thirty two starts, one hundred and eighty four innings. But the two years before that, one hundred nineteen innings, hundred and one or one hundred and thirty five innings. He's thirty four years old, but the Cardinals also do kind of rely on their their pitchers like is do you just split the difference on all all of it and say yeah. over under is 170?
0: It was as high as since 2015, right? Um I would say around 160 to 170 is what you could bank on them for. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's shift over to uh the mock draft. So, big picture, Steve, I think we got to start with just um you know, the the reaction. I mean, this is this is a mock draft that all of the pitcher list or, uh, it, it's fully comprised of pitcher list, uh, podcast guys and some other guys that that do like articles, things of that nature. It's, you know, intended to be an ADP free, uh, draft where we pretty much just go blind and, and make these selections. Um, it's a 12 teamer, it's five by five, yep. uh, roto, but it's also, or our, uh, head to head, I should say, not roto. Um, and yeah, that's like these
0: three outfielders, um, so Yahoo basically standard. Um, and Otani is two players, uh, just to sort of lay the ground rules. Not Go that it matters team. that much this year considering he won't be pitching. At least we think. But um yeah, basically your standard Yahoo twelve team five x five league.
1: So give me the big picture, Steve. Uh I know I had the the one draft slot. I think you were at, was it eight or nine?
0: Nine, I believe.
1: Nine. Okay. So you're in the nine slot. I was at the, the one slot. Uh, how did you feel it went? Uh, any high level takeaways? Obviously a blast getting in there and, and having our first draft of the off season.
0: Yeah, it was a blast. And it, it is always good doing this without being blinded by ADP or, or not necessarily blinded, but guided by ADP, right? Yeah. Um, and definitely some some lesson learned. The the biggest thing to me, and I, I think we talked about this briefly when we talked about, you know, just right when we finished this draft, uh, pitchers were bumped way down in this. I, I think it's sort of just, you know, the fact that we're all podcasters and writers at PitcherList uh, and a and mm-hmm. process that PitcherList preaches is sort of to bump pitching down. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to apply to every draft that we do, especially, you know, the industry leagues and and weekly leagues, things like that. This is a daily move league. Uh, That's actually a good question for Nick. I'm pretty sure that's the case Um, because that's the Yahoo standard. But, um, you know, where where you're churning and burning, you're back into the rotation not only weekly but daily, and especially in head-to-head, that that changes things. So pitchers are bumped down in that format. Um, And then just looking at the board, especially in the first round, it's just crazy how many outfielders go. And and I know this is more of a topic, and maybe we could sort of bump it in here. But I definitely wanted want to, especially in shallower leagues, spread out my position eligibility. Um, I went Judge Soto. I definitely would not go outfielder, outfielder if I could do this again. Not that that's a problem to have Aaron Judge and Juan Soto as your two hitters, Um, but I really hamstrung myself as far as like trying to fill other positions. Um, I even took Jazz Chisholm in the fifth. So that's three outfielders in my first five picks. Um, I would not do that again, uh, given the choice.
1: Yeah, that's an, I mean, that's something both you and I also talked with Nick about it on the show though, is the offensive cliff around that time, because you you were talking about Chisholm and then you look at the board and it's like, okay, so let's say you didn't take Jazz. Then after that, in the following round, you got, here here are the hitters. Jordan Walker, Brian Reynolds, which I like Reynolds, but like kind of proven high floor type, uh-huh. but also an outfielder. Then you took Torkelson, which uh-huh. is, you know, on its surface, you're like, damn, six, dang, six round Torkelson. Uh, but that's kind of what the, the landscape is. And then this three pack of third baseman Bregman, who's kind of mad at this point. I mean, I get it, but then Royce Lewis who is very exciting, but also comes with a ton of risk. Josh Young, which also exciting. I mean, maybe that's because you had already grabbed Machado. I had Devers in the third round, so we both had already shored up third. And then there was like Arenado. But I guess the point is like going through those names, the following round, there's Tristan Casas, uh, like, it, it just thins out offensively. It thins out so much faster. It either goes
0: to limited upside or, uh, you know, unproven, um, not as long as track record, a lot of question marks very, very quickly.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that is a huge, a huge takeaway. Um, then the trends. I mean, let's talk about pitching, Steve. Maybe if, if you're good with it, let's talk trends, just big yeah, picture, yeah. and then we can get into some of the players. Yeah. So, Pitching-wise, I pulled up what our what our mock draft was last year and was just kind of looking side by side. And this is kind of a weird thing because everyone's always eager to, to hear what the pitching landscape is. So last year, there were eight pitchers, starting pitchers taken by the end of round three. This year, there were only three, three. pitchers yeah. in the first three rounds. It was Strider... Garrett Cole, and then I think Corbin Burns, right? Kevin Gossman. Uh, was, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin Gossman. Uh, Then it erupted in the fourth round this year with like eight pitchers. Um, but last year, the, the rounds that had the most pitchers was round three, had eight starting pitchers, and then six were taken in round eight. So I'm just looking at this year and like it's kind of confusing because I know what you mean that like pitching has been moved back. But what I found kind of interesting about our league this year is it's almost like every, every, uh, I'm trying to figure out a word this. Do you remember last year when we said we wanted to hammer our first starting pitcher and like just triple tap from pick 60 to pick like 110?
0: Yep. This year, it's now like, like the- pick f- 50. To 100. Right. right 50 yeah. to 100. So it's yeah. the mighty like, middles uh,
1: kind of moved up a little bit pricier.
0: So on the clicky draft, the, the, at least the way I have my settings, pitchers are red. Um, and that cluster of red comes from like round four to round nine. Yes. Where exactly it used last to year be it was like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11. To like 12. Yeah. I, I, so- I mean, and and, uh, and that's so what I was talking scary. about, and that's
1: the, and that's what I want same, to live. Yes, and that's but. the same time of the draft when, like, you took Jazz uh-huh. and you weren't thrilled about it, and then mm-hmm. like even I took my my turn there, which was hotly debated with with Nick was Blake Snell, but then I felt like okay, I just took Snell, I can't go back in on a pitcher mm-hmm. because of this theory of you know like load up on bats, so I took Snell, but then one of my biggest regrets is not just jumping right back in on Pablo Lopez. Mm -hmm. And instead I took Christian Yelich, which I was fine with that pick. But I think in my drafts, I will be pretty like adamant on getting three or four pitchers between rounds four and eight or four and nine, uh, because it's all just kind of scooted up except for the first two or three rounds. And it looks like on ADP, like NFBC ADP too, Steve, there's like, when you look at the, I know pitcherless fades pitching because we're all kind of on that same playbook, but there were only three pitchers uh, chosen in the top 30 so far. And then it goes like uh, Wheeler, Castillo, Gossman, uh, Gallon, all of that. So I do think. Like last year, where there was only a, a, a couple pitchers in the first two rounds, now I think that's extending to the third round this year. So anyway, long ramble to say the pitching shape is just kind of changing to where you got to jump in rounds like three to eight is is a ton of pitching.
0: Yeah, I I think I think that's fair, and and I know in NFBC leagues like Strider and Cole, I think will be. Will be first round picks. Like, there's going to be guys that want the the SP stud. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe not Strider, just because his surface numbers ended up being not that great. Um, but Cole is just a steady Eddie, and I I just think that some people want, you know, the best pitcher in round one. That's just sort of something that happens. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I would be surprised though. No, but I think yeah, right. I, I think that you know it's becoming i don't want to say easier but it's becoming you know everybody has their guys and they are they're slowly being bumped up from you know I, I don't know you used to be able to to get all you know these amazing starting pitchers around 9 10 11 you know picks 100 120 130 140 now you might have to be spending pick 80 you know maybe pick 70 uh, uh, on that um uh, but that being said, I do want to load up on offense early, at least in like the first three to four rounds, at least. Um, like if I would do this differently, I think that I would have went like more, you know, spread out my positions throughout the first three rounds. I don't think I would have taken Burns. I don't think I would have taken Chisholm, and then load up from you know anywhere from where you know George Kirby went to you know I I like guys even as far down as like Chris Bassett and 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 and, and Merrill Carroll in round fifteen like picks like six to fifteen. I, I want like that to be like five or six pitchers at least, at least half of those to be pitchers. Okay. Where I don't know if I could could really do that as much because I needed to fill those position holes. That I kind of hamstrung myself with. So th- that's that's just an overall takeaway. I think that I think in, in shallower team leagues, like pay a little bit more attention to um, your position eligibility rather than like true best player available because you do only have so many slots to slot these guys in. Um, you don't have these large benches and five outfield slots like you do. In standard mm-hmm. NFBC leagues, in, in in twelve team leagues, you know you don't usually carry that big of a bench, um, so uh, th- that's sort of a a takeaway and like a reminder for me for you know my home league yeah, and, and more standard sure. leagues.
1: Yep, I'll say um, I got stung on how quickly middle infield thinned out as well. Um, I did. I feel like I I saved it a little bit with a on Kim in the ninth and Dansby Swanson in the 11th just as like last chance saloon. I was kind of looking and thinking if I didn't get both of those guys, I would have been in, in real trouble. Like if I would have gotten sniped, but that, that was a trend. I think, I mean, everyone's talking about it, but catcher is so deep this year. That's yeah. a big trend. Yeah. You I did. Agree. A, yeah. You waited all the way to 19th. There were so many, there were so many. I just option. didn't, yeah.
0: I, I didn't really care. like, even, even after I took a you like, Cal Riley, like, Sean Murphy went in round 23. Sean Murphy was, like, a fantasy MVP. I know he didn't finish well, but the first two, three months of the season, he was, like, one of the best fantasy players, period. Mr. Yeah. Irrelevant in this draft was Francisco Alvarez, who, like, just mashed 20 homers as a rookie <laughs> a catcher, uh-huh. right? Uh, yeah,
1: there is there is a 10 to 15 batch of catchers that you're more than okay with compared to past years. Yeah. And the, and the ones up at the top aren't that good to where – you're getting like severely punished comparatively. You know what I mean? Like cuz sometimes it's like when you get that first baseman who's like a contact specialist and you're like I'm good with him and then you look at everybody else has 40 home run first baseman and you're like mm-hmm. oh man, I'm really falling behind. You're not falling behind that much on on catcher when you look at Sean Murphy compared to Adley Rutschman. Like mm-hmm. obviously you're going to take Adley, but when you're talking about a six round pick versus a 23rd round pick, like you'll take the discount there. Um, So that's, yeah, that's another trend. Way more closers with a lockdown job. I felt so proud of myself grabbing two relievers that should get 30 saves. And I didn't have to get them until round 10 and round 12. So it definitely feels good after years of basically being like, there's only four or five that have established roles. And how early are you going to have to pay up? Like maybe catcher and closer this year won't be as maddening as they have been in the past, right?
0: Yeah. I agree. Seems. Um you you did wait though. I did wait, but I also think that uh might not be as as steady as your guys, but guys that in theory as of you know November eleventh, uh November thirtieth, um two guys that have the job in Alex Lang and Kyle Finnegan. They basically finished a year as the closers. Um, I know it's not without their warts, and who knows if they're traded, if they even have the job. I know there's some interesting guys in Detroit there, too. Um, and Lang was flirting with losing the job at several points, Dead times, yeah, um, this year, but still, um, that I, late. I, 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 think, right. I think, I think, I think I agree with that. Like, you know, Kenley Jansen went around 18, um, you know Clay Holmes in round 15 again in, in industry leagues and MSBC, these guys are bumped way up, but um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a generally a true statement. There, there are more defined roles, which it seemed like relatively recently, um, all teams were going are, are away from that, but. You know, you could you could point to maybe now twenty ish teams and 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 say, hey, that's a clear cut closer, which is yep. which is pretty helpful, I
1: think. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Um, so we got players that we really liked and ones that maybe we didn't like as much, but we need to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, so Steve, getting into the actual draft recap, talking about uh, you know, favorite. Favorite picks, I think, from from ourselves and also on uh, other other teams, other rosters. I mean, I can I can start on my team. I mean, overall, I, I told Nick I actually felt pretty good about my draft. I think starting at one one, Acuna gives you such a head start. Just even if he comes back, you know, to seventy percent of what he did last year is still practically like two players, um, and. From there, I I, I just like the turn because, especially in a sharp room like that, you are you always know what you're doing twice, mm-hmm. right? Because no one's picking in between you and sniping and all that stuff. So you kind of always feel like you're sticking to a plan. Um, in terms of the actual picks, the early stuff, the early offense was, was like, you know, I went to Cunha and then I told Nick. From there, it's like I felt like I had the league in check in a way. And it's like, don't screw it up. And on that turn, I still feel like Pete Alonzo is kind of this year's Matt Olson. And then Devers is just steady Eddie. So to start with Acuna, Alonzo, Devers, I felt really happy. But then, you know, move all the way back to like the 13th round. Uh, Bailey Ober was my fourth starting pitcher. Uh, really excited about Ober now that Sonny's out as well. I mean, it just kind of underlines that Ober is one of, you know, the horses there. Um Great fastball, but also showed a lot of good stuff with the secondaries. Uh, phenomenal control. think he could take a real step forward. Kind of like a Logan Gilbert light is what I was saying. And I got Gilbert in the eighth round, but Ober all the way in the 13th round. So felt good about that one. Emmett Sheehan was one in the 17th round that I look at and said, it's that late. It's a Dodgers pitcher. He's young. He's shown a ton of swing and miss stuff. I know when Nick truly gets into the mechanics, he's saying like, I just don't know if the stuff is good enough. Like even though the results have been there on swing and miss and everything. But for me, it's like, if you've got multiple pitches that get tons of whiffs and you're a young Dodgers pitcher, like that's enough for me to say a 17th round pick is worth it. And you know, he's going to get the run unless they sign like five pitchers. So um, I liked, those Are a few of the ones I liked. And then the, the last, Couple bats. Noel V. Marte. I think it's just a fun dart that late. If his power kind of clicks, he could be a twenty twenty guy. And he hit like three sixteen last year for the Reds. So I liked Marte. And then I was pleasantly surprised by Tyro Estrada uh as I dug in and had to kind of defend that pick, that he only played like hundred and twenty games and he had twenty-three steals, uh like fourteen homers, and he's just such a gamer, great, like he plays the game the right way. He should be Mr. Reliable, and, you know, as long as he doesn't get injured, he should play, like, 160 games for them. I think he just might be creeping into, like, 2025 territory, even though he kind of feels vanilla. Um, so, anyway, just kind of a ramble when I look up and down my team from from the exercise of defending the picks to Nick Pollock, some of the ones that that stood out there, but uh, what are your thoughts on on? Your team, guys, you liked, or anything you want to add to to that ramble?
0: Um, I know we'll we'll talk about you know other teams that we like the best, but you were definitely on the short list for me. Like you know, I I kind of was scrolled down on a draft board and didn't have all the names up, and we did this what now, like a, a month and a half ago almost. Um, and you know, your team was one that I wrote down that I like. I mean, I guess it's it's part of the reason why when you know when you start off with Acuna, Alonso, Devers, that's a that's a, that's a really nice base, so um, I, I I like it a lot. And I mean, I think you did a, a good job, but you know, filling what does get shallow in positions in in middle infield and in, in Hassan Kim, and Dansby Swanson. I know they're kind of oatmeal vanilla guys, but um, you sort of need those guys to play to the back of their baseball cards to win. And Dansby Swanson hit his two fifty two with. 22 homers right that doesn't look great yep. and no one's gonna yep. ooh and ah about it at the draft board but um it's helpful the fact that he goes out there and he plays every day and it provides that value um in a way that may not be the most flashy so um mm-hmm. Yeah, he I, was one that –
1: there, there, there's always picks in this draft when you got to, like, argue it with Nick that you're not even sure if you like it when yeah. you drafted yeah. them. And then as you dig in, you're like, wait a minute. There's a story. There's a path here. And Swanson was one that I, I told him, like, he only had nine stolen bait, 22 homers, nine steals last year. But he had, like, a heel contusion and was out yeah. for – or his steals, like, dropped off a cliff around that time. And it was just kind of like, okay, if that didn't happen – why wouldn't Swanson be one of those guys who could flirt with like 15, 20 steals along with his 20 homers? Like, I just think he's going to run more this year. Um, And yeah, with Craig council in Chicago, like he's a manager that runs as well or that has his team run as well. So yeah, that was one that I kind of convinced myself a little bit of, but yeah. Talk to me about your team, Steve. I listened to your whole pod with, with Nick. Um, I love the, the judge Soto um machado i go in and out of we we talked about that a lot i know you said corbin burns you he kind of fell in your lap and yeah. you're like yeah i'm 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 going with this so then from there i'm curious like cuz four is like the base right like it's mm-hmm. hard to argue too much with those beyond there like which of these are you kind of circling is like guys you're going to be talking about a lot this off season or ones that you're interested in um, or were you just kind of reacting to build your team a certain way?
0: I like all of the players on my team. I don't like how I built my team slash, like, the process, if that okay. makes any sense. Like, having three outfielders out of the five first rounds is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know Corbin Burns fell into my lap, but I, I felt like I could have maybe went somewhere else there and then – tapped in on pitchers a round or two later, but then I also had to fill in, like, first base, which I thought fell off a clip, so I kind of panicked and grabbed Torkelson and Yandy Diaz back-to-back, although Diaz should have first and third eligibility. That also locked up a utility spot for me because I do have Machado already and Spencer Torkelson. So mm, yeah. I, I like all these guys. You know, Yandy Diaz put up a <laughs> above 900 OPS, and to grab him in the seventh round is... Is 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 good, and I know that you know the homer upside may be what it was last year, and like the what eighteen homers, maybe he got the twenty, but I would be surprised if he got there again. Um, so the, the, there's that limited upside. Um, I I just I like all these guys. I would have done my process a lot differently. Um, yeah. Like the fact that Corbin Burns and Justin Verlander are my first two pitchers make me like give me like the heebie-jeebies like I want uh-huh. you know, my first two pitchers to be like Yuri Perez and Bobby Miller and like upside guys that, that you know that yeah. that's more of my formula um, so I, I think we well, have we'll f- leaned into that and sort of t- done better roster construction um, and we'll definitely focus on that in shower leaks it's interesting because anyone who's listened
1: to us for a while knows that y- you've convinced me or converted me to a Uh, fade starting pitching early in like the first three rounds type of thing. But I'm still a couple rounds sooner than you on, on like what makes me comfortable with an SP one. And I can say right now, like looking at this board, spoiler alert for all, all the listeners, the whole off season, I think the SP ones that I'm going to have often this season will probably be on the priciest side, Luis Castillo, uh, Blake Snell, Pablo Lopez, And I'm looking through, maybe if I'm way late on the game, Freddie Peralta. But that's kind of like in terms of who I want to hitch the wagon to, there's so many names in here that I'm like, uh, I don't like uh, Gossman, Cole and Strider are too pricey. Mm -hmm. Um, Logan Webb is not enough Ks for me or like K percent. Mm-hmm. Uh NOLA volatility, I'm out. Glass now, the volume, I'm out. Scoobo, the track record, I'm out. Kirby, the K upside. Like t- Kirby's an SP2 for me, and I love that yep. as an SP two, mm-hmm. but not an SP1 for me. Mm-hmm. Like Freddie does have the ceiling. Max Fried is too boring. He can't be a top three pitcher. Um like so I'm looking at all this and I'm like, those are my SP1 guys this year, like Gossman was last year, especially a Pablo Lopez. Um, I'm curious for you, Steve, because you're usually like all right have fun van I'll be around and a half later mm-hmm. and get some value when you look at these names who are like your you know early four pack of guys where you're like okay i I, I can picture myself having plenty of shares of him as my sp1
0: I like anyone from Glassnow basically through like Yamamoto. Like I would okay. be cool with Kodai Senga as my first pitcher. I would be cool okay. yeah, with Eric School as yeah. my first pitcher. I would be okay. cool with Grayson Rodriguez. Um I I really like Max Fried. I think whenever he pitches, he's really good. And I know he was hurt a bit a bunch last year, but um I don't think that's like anything that's a common theme with him. Um sure, I don't what know. What about, about what about
1: Yuri? Yuri Perez.
0: Um I, I don't know that, that may, maybe I'm feeling spurned oh. from like the Hunter Green short track record thing, but uh-huh. I, I think he has less risk than Hunter Green does as far as like the <laughs> control wise and actually having good shape on his fastball. Um, so I, I don't know if I would target it, but I would also okay. be OK with it. Uh, but so
1: glass now, said, like
0: I would yeah. ideally take two to three of these guys um i know that's kind of hard considering a lot of them go in the same round but but it's very possible though because there's enough of them yeah yeah There's, there's i want there's 12 i want if you look at our draft board and we'll have the link for this i want two guys from round six to to nine which now that's and that's fair like that's
1: something i can get behind because already i feel way better thinking like when i look at these names like I don't feel as bad about Kirby if I know I've got Kodai Sangha right after that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's exactly. just like yep. you're, you're, yep. you're
0: double yeah, tapping. Maybe here I should SP2s. probably bump it that up around and, and go from like, yeah, which, which uh, you know, originally I, uh, I said glass now to, to, Yamamoto. Right. And Kirby was a few pictures after glass now. So I, I, I'm good with that.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so picks beyond your team, Steve, um, what kind of stood out? Who, who's somebody, when you looked at the board, that you're like, oh, man, that that's that's a good one that I, I would take that value. Um, and we can kind of bounce. We don't have to get in too deep on these guys. Well, We got all offseason to break it down. But let's throw out a, a handful of names just back and forth on uh, kind of – what player and what round and pick they went that you were like, oh, that's a great value.
0: So I wanted to go an early one because, like, when you think of the or value, you, you kind of just scroll to the bottom of the draft board and be like, oh, that's a great sleeper, quote-unquote, that I love, or that guy fell way too far. And, you know, we are using ADP data and, and, you know, rankings from before the 2023 season, which could lead to some guys being forgotten or having to be written in. Um, so I wanted to do an early one to sort of change things up here. And I absolutely love the Jose Altuve in round three um, pick by Jay Crumpler. Uh, yes. I, I think he's my, he's my you know, if, if I were to do rankings, um, he would be my number one um, second baseman. Um, yep. I know he was limited due to injury last year, but he was so, so oh good gosh. and was like an MVP candidate the year before. Um, he is aging like a fine wine. Um, I absolutely second base is a super shallow position. Like the next second baseman after Jose Altuve was Bryson Stott. Like, geez, mm-hmm. that is uh, a pre- no offense to Stott, and I know that he provides his own fantasy value in his own way. But that is one hell of a, a cliff. Um, yeah, I mean, the last two years, nine twenty OPS, nine fifteen OPS for Altuve. I know it was just four 400- hundred ten plate appearances this year but what uh he got hit I in the hand to. uh in the world baseball classic which led to the most of his missed time and i think he had another il stint in there so yeah sure there are some uh some injury risks especially as he is 33 years old but i don't think it was like a nagging you know he most of his time was to you know something that could happen to anyone playing this game getting hit in the hand with the pitch and breaking your hand so um, I absolutely love Rafael Devers in the third round. Um, I would be targeting that all day long. Or Altuve, you mean? Altuve, yep. Um, Altuve, yeah. Well, I, it's I like, funny I you like said. I like your Devers pick too. I like your Devers. Well, pick you too, pulled. You
1: yeah. were like in my brain because yeah. I was ready to talk about Devers because I had Altuve and Devers on the queue after I got Pete. And I was what like, made nah. you? Uh,
0: what made you go Devers there?
1: Well, because that was my my talk track with nick is like if you go acuna i really do feel like the best thing you can count on is like floor like i think you've already got a huge leg up on the rest of the league on offense and then it's like just don't screw it up like pit and and devers is just a metronome of like 278 average uh 32 homers you know 90 90 runs RBIs and I was like okay and he can borrow 20 steals from Acuña and Acuña still has 40 <laughs> you know what I mean and yeah. it's like that was the difference whereas Altuve I get what you're saying but like the and he was phenomenal like everything everything you're preaching uh, he had seven homers in September a 948 OPS in the in the second half but still when it comes down to it 90, like he, he's going to miss 20 games each time uh, yeah, at some that's point. Fair.
0: That's fair. He hasn't played uh, uh, 150 games since 2017. That's fair.
1: So, yeah, it's 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 been a minute and he is a little bit older. That said, I don't think there's that much risk in Altuve. And honestly, looking back now, I think there was enough of a positional gap to where I would change what I did. Like, I think my team would be better if I would have gone Alonso, Altuve, and then grabbed, like, an Arenado in the seventh round or Yandi Diaz or something like that um, because the second base cliff, like you said, is huge. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so anyway, that's – yeah, that's a really good one. Would you uh, – so would you rather have Altuve – and say because it looked like you would have gotten sniped on, like Arenado, Altuve, and who you know you took Kim in the ninth round, uh, a third base, a, a third baseman who you could have had around there. Oof, yeesh, that's tough. Uh, well, God, I I would have uh, been able to get. I, Hay- I would have user, been able. Max Muncy, Jake Burgers, kind of who are you looking at uh, if you if you sort of flip flop there.
1: Well, it's a good point that like around nine, that, there's a big gap between yeah. Yandi Diaz in the seventh round all the way to Cabrian in the 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm out on the, like, that's too late for third. But I think I would have probably gone, if I didn't have a third base, I think like I would have taken, sixth. or seventh before, instead yeah. of Uz- Ozuna. Yeah. Okay, yep, yeah, yeah, you're like right. That.
0: Uh, seven went the other way. Got you, got you. Yep.
1: Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. I think when I was looking at this, I know... We've been talking about pitchers a ton, but one that stands out to me too, Steve is, and he's at the end of that tier you were talking about is I really like the eighth round, third pick of Zach Eflin. Like when, you know, it, it, the, we were basically expecting him to go off for the Rays last year and he did everything that we wanted him to, uh, in terms of volume, he went 177 innings in terms of strikeouts. He had a 26.5% K rate, just a 3.4% walk rate. Like the whip, the 102 whip and the 350 ERA is like phenomenal help to ratios. And he's still just 29 with the raise. Like every everything about Eflin is exciting to me. And I was bummed from being in last year that I only had one or two shares. Um And this year, if that's as pricey as it's going to get, is at the back of that big, like, SB2 glob, I think I'm going to have a lot of shares of Eflin. So I like that one. Uh, Curious, your thoughts on Eflin, or if you want to throw out another player you were were liking the value on.
0: I like Eflin a lot, and I think that's, you know, sometimes it's hard to jump back in on a player that was, you know, a wide awake sleeper to steal a quote from Paul Spohr over at Rotographs um, because you get such good value. You pay a, you know an 18th, 20th round pick for him. And it's like, oh man, I got to jack Zach, Eflin in the, in the eighth uh, to get him again. And sometimes that might be the right play. I mean, a, a one of what is it? What a one of two whip. Yeah. That's, that's ace, ace whip there um and you yeah, know he did it with a 27% strikeout rate too um so you know and even by the the ERA indicators he you know was better than the 350 ERA um so the rays, I, the rays I,
1: fixed him they changed yeah. him they fixed him like you know it's it, the the pitch mix drastically changed like this is a new pitcher it's not the Phillies eflin is is mm. you know and he's not old <laughs> like that's where and I'm.
0: Glassnell seems like he's most likely going to be traded so he may be yeah. the opening day starter for the Rays, unless there's there's other moves there so um i like it um another value pick that i really love and this comes with a caveat but uh it's bobby miller in the ninth round to eric samolsky um there was sort of a caveat that you know, the room sort of forgot about him because he was bumped so far down in the rankings. But still, hey, ninth round Bobby Miller's is, is where you get him. Uh, I I think that's absolutely great value. I think Bobby Miller's like a budding ace um, just waiting to, you know, fully develop and blossom in that Dodgers rotation. So um, I, I love that pick. Uh, all those pitchers from, like, Brown... Seven to, to nine. I love the Kodai Senga pick in round seven. And I love the Yamamoto pick in round eight. Um, I think that those guys are just massively undervalued. Um, you know, I, I know Senga probably went what maybe a few rounds later last year, and that just paid off all dividends. You know, and, and by all reports, Yamamoto is just as good, if not better, um, and is being drafted in the in the same area as him. I think that. Um, there is just a natural discount because we don't have like MLB numbers on these guys, um, but they're mm-hmm. just as good. I mean, Senga was, you know, Cy Young worthy uh, after he got his walks on, under control, and Yamamoto does not seem to have that that control problem as much as uh, Senga did. So, I really like those guys and think that they're high upside pitchers for SP ones being drafted as you know SP twos for some people, maybe an SP one for me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, to add a note on Bobby Miller, he actually, I mean, yeah, there was the thing about people forgot about him, but his ADP across all those leagues right now is pick 89, which isn't that far off from what I'm now calling, like, uh, terrible name that I'm coining on this podcast, but it's like the... uh, SP100 sweepstakes <laughs> that two years like ago it. was Shane yeah. McClanahan. Last year was Hunter Green, mm-hmm. and this year I think Bobby Miller. When I look around that range, is yeah. like the one that that I think the industry is kind of anointing as like you know you you, you start to play uh you know the chicken, chicken. the game yeah, of chicken yeah. like how, right? how where are you like, gonna go oh, how yeah, are yeah you, how how long right. are you
0: waiting on here yeah.
1: And we can almost guarantee, right, Steve, that pick eighty nine, which is where he's at today on NFBC ADP, he will not be eighty nine yeah. on March
0: draft. He'll be he seventy five. Yeah. yeah, right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it should be should be very very interesting. Um, trying to see if there's any other ones. I mean, you had some some picks as well, Steve, that I liked your late pitching darts. I think Hunter Brown is a great one. I think Reese Olson. Um, although it kills me because they just signed who did the the Tigers oh Kent
0: uh, yeah yeah
1: so so that'll push Gibson long Gibson Long
0: uh, or or Olson yep
1: Yeah. or yep. Olson possibly mm-hmm. or they might just you know nag at each other starts there's a,
0: maybe there's a trade to be made with the uh, with the Cardinals there
1: yeah I would absolutely love that um, but yeah that and then and then Hunter Brown those both uh, kind of caught my eye and then uh, Nick. Picking uh, his 11, 12 round picks of Shane Baz and Brian Wu. Yeah. Both of those. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that's a yeah, yeah. very, very uh, savvy picks Very there. Nick I,
0: picks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He told me that uh, in first pitch Arizona, a lot of people were giving him flack about Shane Baz being too early in the 11th. But that seems like right where we were talking about him with Paul Spore yeah, two years ago yeah. about, you know, is it. Is it Boz or is it McClanahan? Who do we want more? And yeah, like, it was the skills like, have uh, really changed, right? You
0: know, the the draft day clip of writing down, it's like, uh, you know, Shane Boz, you know, don't leave the draft without Shane Boz, Shane Boz or bust. you know? Uh, yes, yes. That's what we were writing on our notes in 2022. Yeah. Um, so you know, not much has changed with him recovering from an injury. So uh, I, I'm for it if he goes later than that. I, I'm I'm good with that and and love that Shane Boss pick. I'm I'm good with him in round eleven. Hmm. Yeah. It's it is wild, man.
1: Like looking at these, like the the pitching that I see from round, you know, five all the way through, which is kind of what you were saying at the beginning, but like the pitching just keeps going mm-hmm. and then you switch over to the hitting and you're like, there's a cliff here. There's a cliff here. There's a cliff
0: here. So I don't know how to solve for it. I want to do a draft where I fill my whole lineup, like hitters wise before I take a pitcher, and like,
1: yeah. Who is the closest one? Like I'm trying Nick, to see Nick,
0: Nick stated. waited the longest. Uh, I should have waited okay. them out. Yeah. Um, he went Grayson Rodriguez in the seventh, I think was his first pitcher. But I want to do his, like, you know, maybe besides mm-hmm. catcher, just because, you know, well, what's what's the fun in that? Or, the, you know, if I want to stick to the rules, um, I want to fill out, you know, all three outfielders, a utility, uh-huh. uh, and my whole infield before taking a pitcher in one of these drafts. Why did Nick just forego a shortstop? <laughs> Uh I, like, are we missing switch something, my man? view mode.
1: Yeah. I switched my view mode to oh oh he said gunner. Gunner gunner gunner's gunner is a, is a
0: shortstop. Gunner's okay. a shortstop, yeah.
1: So then his for for those listening wondering, so Nick's offense ended up being uh real muto at catcher, Christian Walker at first, Ozzy at Ozzie Albies at second, uh third base would be Bregman, short mm-hmm. would be Gunner Henderson, outfield is Kyle Tucker, Lane Thomas, Taylor Ward. Nelson Velasquez at UTIL, and then his second UTIL must be, like, Jack Sawinski. So then the question becomes, like, okay, well, what's his what's his staff look like if he's fading it that much? His SP1 is Grayson Rodriguez. His SP2 is Joe Ryan. Then Shane Boz, Brian Wu, Brian Bayo, Nestor Cortez, Shoto Imanaga, which he really likes. Mm-hmm. James Paxton and Kentomayeda is yeah, dart like I,
0: I, I don't know if I, I, I love the hitters there. I mean, obviously Tucker, Gunner, Albies are, are who they are, but um, and good, but uh-huh. uh, you know, that staff is you know that's that's the way I want to build the staff, and that's the way Nick Pollock has taught me to build the staff, and that's what I plan on doing. Wait late, yeah. yeah. What's I mean? What's
1: a little to push back a little bit? I mean, he 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 at least in the past has preached the four for floor and he's got Grayson, Joe Ryan, and then Shane Boz as the three is not I, a floor. I, pick. I
0: understand and appreciate that. and think that's, that's fair, but I think you could also build your floor sort of later than that. Right? Like it doesn't need it does. to be your first four that are the floor. Essentially. You know what I'm saying? Like if Boz uh-huh. does bust, like it could be Nestor, it could be a it could be Paxson, it could be Maeda. Um, yeah. Sure. Maybe you want to throw in some more of a an inning eater, Mitch Keller, as one of those, or or even like a Lance Lynn, um, instead of pack one of Pax and since those guys do carry injury risk. But you could build your four for four later than your first four pitchers.
1: That's a that's a good point, and maybe something this year that like with the surge of all of those you know rookies last year because it seemed like there was like what like 10 of them right when you lock
0: mason mm-hmm. miller and
1: gavin williams and bryce miller and bobby miller like you you're gonna yeah, everyone have who is up, miller
0: debuted as a pitcher yeah
1: right and you're gonna and then you throw in like a shade shane boz cole reagan's you know say what you want but still track record stuff so there's pricier ceiling picks this year that don't afford you that floor. So maybe you're right, Steve, that your four for floor game can include like a 14th round Chris Bassett. Yep. Or a 16th round Jose Barrios. I think that's a really good
0: 17th round Eduardo Rodriguez, you know? Yeah. Things like that.
1: Yeah. That you can get floor late and and pay 17th round
0: Braxton Garrett. Like there are these oatmeal floor guys that are, that are available late. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to wrap up with some more names.
1: We got to take our second ad break. We'll be right back. Okay. So Steve, uh, kind of winding down on the, uh, the rundown here, I guess, uh, talk to me about any, any picks that you viewed as kind of, uh, reaches or anything that, uh, you, you kind of wish you could do over in terms of the player itself.
0: Um, I, I think I talked about this a lot. Um, it doesn't have to be your team. It doesn't have to yeah, be yeah, your I mean, my. Team sweet, to, be uh, I talked about team. my team the way I built it. Like I like the players, do not like the process and, and the and the roster build. Um particularly the Justin Verlander pick for me in round nine. Like I would have went Miller. Um Brandon Woodruff went right after. At the time, we did not know that he was having shoulder surgery. Um even a guy like Kyle Bradish that I think might have some more upside. Um Verlander's mm-hmm stuff and K numbers have just sort of dropped off in a way that, you know, Nick sort of preached to me and is right about and and has me even more concerned of him about him. Um, So I I think I would have done that a little differently. Um, I also think that the fact that Corbin Burns fell to me, I sort of felt obligated to take him. I don't know if I would do that again, even if he did fall to me in the fourth round. Uh, He's not going to fall that far. Like He's Corbin no, Burns. He He's going to go higher, I think. If anything, um, but I, I don't want to let like fallen players. You know, oh, I don't, I can't let this guy fall too hard. No, just stick yeah. to stick to your plan your there guys. A, a little bit. Um, as far as like other guys that that seem like reaches to me, uh, Lane Thomas, I think in round five. Not to pick on Nick too much, um, but I think that there's you know even the guys right after him like Cedric Mullins. Jazz Chisholm, even, like, Brian Reynolds, I think, you know, is a better play than that. Uh, Thomas fell off pretty hard in the second half, and I just don't know if I want, you know, my mm-hmm. second outfielder, you know, to be someone like Lane Thomas, even if I do have Kyle Tucker to back him up. Uh, I just would have went with a different a different hitter there, maybe even, like, um, you know, swap Walker and take, uh, you know, Adelise Garcia. Um, and then take Goldschmidt in the next round or something like that. I think maybe that's the the, the play, or even like Mike Trout. I know that that there's injury there, uh, but I'd rather have Trout at the at the four pick, and then you know stick to uh, a guy with I think a bit more upside than Leon Thomas, who I don't know has sustainable. Um, he is like right. That was like the biggest fade, like all of his stack house numbers and yeah and quality context measures just scream regression all last year and it kind of came. Um his overall line looked great, but uh I just don't think that he is worth uh a, a fifth round pick. Yeah, hit one hundred eighty four in
1: September yeah. is is pretty rough, even though he had a lot of homers in, in that month. Um yeah, pull side hitter. Like I get that you could say like you could make an argument. I just don't know that I would ever make the argument that it's worth a fifth rounder in a, in a 12 team. Um, so yeah, I agree with that one. I'm trying to look
0: like Josh Lowe is like 2030 potential. I know that, you know, he has the platoon splits and, and raise, but like he went, what, six picks later. Like I'd, I'd rather have Josh Lowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to hear me on
1: all, all off season on, uh, on, on, Nico Horner in the eighth round, if that's where he stays, still being a a value. That's pretty much where, in the ballpark of where he was going last year, and and he was terrific. Um, Trying to see where else. I feel like we need to spend time on Royce Lewis, because while I've been in for a long time, we all have, and we've all been patiently waiting, gosh, man, I've stashed him in the past, and then he comes back, and he gets injured, like, the second game, and just, like, heartbreaking. We're all cheering for this guy. He's so fun to watch. But, man, for him to be – got you got you to gotta pay up a top six-round pick. Like, he's a cornerstone of your offense. And that, like, I don't want to call it a reach because there's so much potential there. Um, but what if we actually – like, he, he played 58 games last year. He's played 70 games in his whole career, mm-hmm. you know. And – it's not like he's a rookie. It's He's been injured years and years. Um, you, or you know what the, I'm saying. The like numbers were just like,
0: so, that. so good. And 240 at-bats, 50 homers, 6 steals, 920 OPS. Like, I see how you could talk yourself into him being, you know, a top 50, top 25 fantasy asset. But you're mm-hmm. right. The injuries are just uh, – it would be a tough pill to swallow and I'm probably not going to have any shares of Royce Lewis, um, because of it. I mean, I what if all I over. Have a third if he if I didn't have a third baseman in the sixth round? I, if I, I, he I was could pick, see it if,
1: if it was pick 105. I would sure. probably be
0: all over it. I mean, but... what's his NFBC ADP right now? Let's find out. Yeah, I'm Let's pulling it up right this. now. Forty-three. Get Forty-three. 43. Get out of here. That's insane, dude. That is There's just no way. Yeah, I'd take him in the sixth round of a twelve team, which is what uh, pick. Uh... That's where he went. Yeah, so yeah. That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah,
1: but why is Machado going 30 picks after Royce Lewis and NFBC?
0: Yeah, that that I can't get behind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. So that's weird. Um,
1: looking at other names. I guess in, in, in terms of – i I've got to just get used to some of these. Like I cannot believe that – and you took Torkelson, Steve. I know I we talked about him. We liked him and everything. I can't believe Torkelson went only one round, not even a full round after Goldschmidt.
0: I mean, um, the, the, you know, it, there there is a there is a one first base drop-off, right? Like, I mean, the like first baseman taken after Goldschmidt where Torkelson – Casas, Spencer Steele, Vinny Pasquantino, Josh Naylor, like Mm -hmm. those are the guys that, you know, maybe I I should have waited a little bit and Torkelson would have fell and I could have grabbed uh, him with in a round with Casas or maybe even, you know, in the eighth round, ninth round where Steer and Pasquantino went, but uh, there is a fall off.
1: Yeah. No, and I said in the the draft room too, I I think if, if Goldie stays there at round five, I'm all in. Um, his his in. It, I don't see why he wouldn't. His ADP in the NFBC drafts is 77. Um, who's that? Yeah, I'll be I'm back. sorry. Who, who's that? Uh, Goldie 77. Yeah. Goldie, yeah. Goldie. Um, yeah, I just don't think that it's like the Cardinals were the dumpster fire last year. If you look at his underlying stuff, it all looks really, really good. Um, dude's body is a temple. So age 36 for him. Uh, I think it's like 33 for anybody else. Uh, total Ironman. And I just don't see why he couldn't be 30, 11, 280 um, type of thing. And, and to get that in the fifth round or even later from from what the ADP is saying on NFBC. So that's one um, that, that I would be very interested in. I think... Uh, yeah, some of the second half names we were talking about, Steve. But like Michael King, I guess I'm not I'm not really doing the fade game very well. I'm saying guys that I I'm interested in, um, but Michael King in the twelfth round I think is very interesting, um, which we talked about his second half breakout with the the swing and miss stuff. I'll, I'll probably have some shares this year. I'm pretty excited about that.
0: What What do you think of uh, Nolan Jones in the fourth round? I'll bring up a tweet that uh, caught my. Caught my attention. It was from pile of Dial, um, uh, who's a, a big player in NFBC, um, saying that Nolan Jones uh and, and compared him to Kestonhera. Keston here in 2019, 303, three nineteen homers, three hundred and fourteen at bats, four oh two Babip, thirty point seven percent K rate. Nolan Jones in twenty twenty three. 297, 20 homers, 367 IBs, <laughs> 401 Babbitt, 29.7% K rate. So eerily similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if Jones has as big of a, a, a hole in this game because he does walk. Um, so mm-hmm. it, th- there is risk. Like Nolan Jones in the fourth round, I, I get the upside. I love Nolan Jones as much as anybody I've. I have, uh, you know. Yeah, you're on the record. For yeah, sure. on the record, a Nolan Jones lover. Um, but maybe this is throwing some cold water on me. And, you know, follow that up at TJ Stats. Uh, Thomas Nestico posted, you know, uh, the contact percentage for Nolan Jones compared to Kessner here. And like. He made his, his own contact is bottom 10th percentile. Well, like just stayed below the bottom 10th percentile um, for, for, uh, for the league all year long. So um, I I love Nolan Jones, but maybe it's just throwing a a little cold water uh, on there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think fourth
1: round I'll have a single share Mm -hmm. Uh, personally. um, I know that there's some like probably what 30 30 30, maybe 35 homers 30 steals type of appeal Mm um had 2020
0: in 106 games this year
1: the average will never ever be as close to 297 (laughs) or or anywhere close to 297 I I just would be shocked um with that strikeout rate um I don't know he's not my type of player I've You know, like the pre, like when Buxton kind of had this, Mm -hmm. um, I know that even remove all the injury stuff from Buxton, like when he was super high strikeout power speed, it always to me was like, go the other way. Like I like to get hitters that are kind of pure and not scary hitters at the top Mm -hmm. of my team. So like I really am not one to grab guys like this. So I'll probably be out, but I I definitely get it. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen Adelise Garcia do it. We've seen uh, some other big swingers like Luis Robert. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it it doesn't always mean just because you lack discipline, you can't make up for it with like bat speed and, you know, the damage you do when you do make contact. I just, to me, it's like a cherry bomb hitter at the top of the lineup. Uh, I'll probably pass. Uh, I definitely, if I did, if I, if I went with a Nolan Jones, I would want to surround it with floor like Devers, like, uh, Freddie
0: Freeman, uh, things like that. It's hard to do that when you spend that high of a pick, um, on a player like that to sort of protect yourself like that. So I get Mm -hmm. the, I get the, um, the hesitation, what I will say is that they do have similar holes in their in their game. It, it's the high fastball. Um, what is interesting is that Keston Hira basically was unable to solve that, and he was unable to lay off that pitch. Nolan Jones cannot hit the high fastball. He in, in if you go to baseball savant and look at the zones and look at the K percentage by zones, um yeah. he strikes out a ton up in the zone. The thing is, he does not swing at pitches up in the zone. He waits okay. for you to throw the ball down and miss down, where he absolutely crushes the ball. Um Keston Hero was unable to lay off, lay off. that high gotcha. pitch. Um yep. Which Nolan does. He basically acknowledges he has a hole in the zone there. Right. He just does it. Not everybody's throwing um, him upstairs. And just, just like, yeah, yeah he, he banks on you either missing high and he'll take a walk. You know, <laughs> he walked um, 12.5% of the time last year. Kessinger never walked more than 8.6% of the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he has the discipline to at least not swing. Yeah. Um, that much in the top of zone. he does whiff a ton he whiffs a ton up there but he does not swing um the, it is the three zones the three little squares at the top of the strike zone that he swings the least in um, okay. Okay. so you know uh, i think that is um and he's got cores yeah he's that, got cores that and that that's just a sign of a of a player that knows his strengths and and Waits for the pitcher to make a mistake. I mean, it's hard to, right? It, it's it's not as easy as it seems to just throw the ball. In was those three he the zones. one thinking of
1: Coors? Was he the one we were talking about that he was doing more damage on the road than at Coors, or am I thinking of a different?
0: Day? uh I believe so. I don't think his home road splits. So he might have were, turned it around.
1: They weren't bad. Were like anything 90- crazy. So he um, had a 934 OPS on on the road, mm-hmm. a 934 on the road, and a 928 at home. Yeah, his WRC. Um,
0: I mean, I know this is park adjusted, so maybe that's not the best best uh, uh, stat. But yeah, he slugged 530 at home, slugged 544 on the road. Interesting. Okay, so maybe struck maybe, out a ton more on the road too, which is interesting.
1: So maybe there's some uh, some room for cores to let's see what know, his
0: nfbc infuse EDK the is. stat line a bit more Uh I'm sorry only a first baseman up. Uh, interesting he does not have 58 first base. it looks 58.71 58. 58. so in a 12 mm-hmm. team or what you have to take him in the, the, fourth, round. Round. In the fourth round fifth round fifth round i think round. yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh I really, really, really want Nolan Jones next year. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay up, but maybe, maybe I'll have to. Uh, hey, yeah. This game is about well, went fun, fourth
1: anyway. in ours. I know it is. Yeah. It is. I think you could do it. If, yeah. I think you could surround yourself with some floor. I, I, I
0: just you know uh, backhanded you know verbal meme of uh, always sunny in Philadelphia with that plan and. All the arrows and everything pointed back into why his yeah. swinging strike and, and strikeout rate isn't that big of a problem or, or a debilitating um, hole in the game, like a Castiglione, yeah. or to a maybe to a lesser here's, extent a Tyler O'Neill.
1: Here's here's a build for you, Steve. Uh, first round, Bobby Witt Jr. Second round, Jordan Alvarez. Third round, Ellie De La Cruz. 4th round Nolan Jones. So Fifth you, round, you can't, Jazz you, can't Chisholm.
0: Do, you can't do Ellie and, and Nolan. That's just too, no, too much risk. just just volatility yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Uh no, you got to no, do, no, do no, like no, Wit like, Alvarez yeah, uh I, I don't know. Devers and Jones or something like that. I don't think that that's that is my gag joke
1: is that I, I think any of the like I don't even think I'd do Alvarez Jones because if Alvarez gets injured and true, Jones true. Is just swinging yeah. and miss, like I would yeah. want so much cushion I think on yeah. on guys like that but yeah that it's it's a it's a good con it's a guy that you can pair up with other guys too because yeah. he is a 30 30 threat so okay well Steve uh rounds us out for this one uh next week or not next week we're off and then we will be back week after next. Uh, for what should be kind of our uh, our Christmas episode. So, yeah, if you guys uh, have any players you want us to do a little breakdown on, feel free to reach out. We're on Twitter, at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore verified. Steve is at Stav 8818. You guys can email us as well throughout the offseason. Wins Above Fantasy at gmail.com uh, But yeah, Steve, this was a blast. Just kind of taking the bird's eye view. And... uh yeah man very excited for all off season to uh start getting into
0: we're in it now uh, we're preparing for 2024 this is exciting
1: yeah underway and before long we'll be doing a little january uh best ball draft or something so love it okay well thanks guys appreciate it as always leave us a rating and review if you could goes a long way otherwise until next time thanks for talking
0: baseball with us thanks for listening guys later